0: Okay, well we've just begun a journey through 2 Corinthians. We're in chapter 1. Last week we covered verses 3 to 5. But we left out one point that was in 3 to 5 because that point fits in well with the verses that come after 3 to 5, verses 3 uh, 6 and 7. So we're going to take that one thing out of 3 to 5 and bring it into our conversation of 3 to 7 of 6 and 7 sorry but that means I'm going to read the whole passage 3 to 7 both last week's passage and this week's passage knowing that the only thing I'm going to bring out of last week's passage is that one point This is the word of God Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and God of all comfort it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer our hope for you is unshaken for we know that as you share in our sufferings you will also share in our comfort now we talked about the this letter and you know sort of what we know about it What's behind it? Certainly, one of the things that is in this letter is Paul's sufferings. And here's basically what was going on. Paul suffered a lot. He was persecuted. And he had other sufferings as well. And the Corinthian believers knew this. But instead of appreciating Paul's sufferings, instead of marveling at all the sacrifices that he had made and all the persecution he had endured in order to come to them and preach the gospel to them and stay there for a year and a half ministering to them, some of them used his sufferings against him. They said, it must be a bad man for God to allow him to suffer so much, to have so much trouble in his life. It just seemed to these people that All of Paul's sufferings cast a doubt on the legitimacy of Paul's apostleship. It made, in their minds, Paul seem weak. Apostles, of course, should be people of power who fix other people's weakness and sufferings, not people who suffer and are weak themselves. And like those who proclaim the prosperity gospel today, these Corinthians wanted the power of Christ's resurrection without having the fellowship of his sufferings. But Paul tells us that these two go together. He tells us that in Philippians 3.10. So Paul in Second Corinthians is responding to this thought that they're having about him, about suffering. And so Second Corinthians is just a beautiful theology of suffering. In this particular passage, he says six things in response to their thinking. This their thinking that because he's suffering so much. It means that he must not really be a true apostle. That there's something wrong with him. Very similar to Job's friends. This should remind you of the whole story of Job. Which friends had the same assumption. Because Job was suffering, it must mean that he's done. there's some secret sin or something hidden. Some way that he's dishonoring God for God to allow all these things to come to pass. So, the six things that Paul says in response. The first one is to bring in the sufferings of Jesus into the equation. He tells us in verse 5, we share in Christ's sufferings. Jesus became weak. Jesus suffered. But it wasn't a sign that there was something wrong with Jesus. He was rejected and mistreated. And mocked and falsely accused in a parallel way to Paul. He suffered exceedingly. The perfect one suffered. Not because he was bad, but because he was the truth from God. And people didn't want to hear it. And his suffering looked tragic, it looked like a catastrophe. But it turns out that his suffering was wonderful. For God was using the afflictions of Jesus to achieve a fantastic victory and accomplish an extraordinary redemption. By his suffering, he paid for our sin. God turned the pain of Jesus into our gain. So much so, that we call the worst of all days, Good Friday, the day of his suffering. Some claim that Jesus was so weak, so that we wouldn't have to be weak. By his stripes you've been healed. They quote, or misquote, they say that Jesus' sufferings put an end to our suffering. But that's an oversimplification. And that's not what Psalm what Isaiah 53, 5 means when it says, By his stripes you have been healed. You can see that how that's interpreted in 1 Peter 2.24 Paul's response is to say, we share in Christ's sufferings. It's not just that he suffered for us, but we share in his sufferings. We suffer too in him. Some say we don't suffer because he suffered. Paul says we participate in his sufferings. It's so tempting to think of suffering as bad, as damaging, as hurtful but not necessarily. And by pointing to the cross, by pointing to Jesus, Paul introduces this possibility that suffering can actually be a positive thing. Jesus suffered in order to save. Paul suffers similarly in order to bring salvation to others. And he extends it then to the the Corinthians as well. And so you will suffer redemptively. So that's the first thing he does is to bring up the example of Jesus to explain or begin to lay down a theology of suffering. The second thing is he says that the sufferings that we experience are actually the sufferings of Jesus in one sense. Now, what do I I mean by that? Well, just as Jesus experienced suffering in his physical body, so Jesus continues to suffer today through his churchly body. So when we suffer in Christ, we are actually experiencing his sufferings in a sense. For instance, when when Saul of Tarsus was walking on the road to Damascus, and Jesus, you know, appeared to him in a great light. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It doesn't say, why are you persecuting my people? And Jesus gone. Jesus ascended into heaven. He's not in the picture anymore. And yet, why are you persecuting me? When Christ's people were persecuted, Jesus was being persecuted. And so when we suffer, we are participating in the sufferings of Christ. Far from a sign that Paul was not a true apostle of Christ, Paul's sufferings are actually the sufferings of Jesus. They make him look better, not worse, if you understand them right. The third thing that he brings up is he basically says that, look, you look at me and I'm suffering. I'm suffering for you. I'm suffering for you, Corinthians. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, he says. It's for your benefit that we're suffering. How can you hold that against me? If I was trying to avoid suffering, I wouldn't have come to Corinth in the first place. I would have stayed in Tarsus. My suffering, that's the third thing. Then the fourth thing. My sufferings are a blessing from God, not a curse. My sufferings actually do good, not harm, even to me. Because with the sufferings comes God's comfort. And the comfort is a great blessing. Just as your sufferings will bring you great comfort. If you endure them patiently, he says. Putting your trust in God. The fifth thing, he says. If we didn't suffer... We wouldn't receive God's comfort and self, and uh, if we didn't receive God's comfort, we wouldn't be able to comfort you. So, again, it's your blessing. My suffering is your blessing. And his final response to this is, Corinthians, you suffer too. Just like us. And this opens up to you God's comfort just as it does to us. And so Paul responds to these accusations and and begins to help them. You see, it's more than just, you know, they've gotten a little bit off. That Their whole thinking about suffering is wrong. Their whole thinking about what the Christian life is wrong. He's trying to help them. And that's one of the reasons why the book is so long there's so many things he has to help them understand about the, the right way to look at life, the right way to look at human weakness, the right way to look at our troubles, and what a blessing it is that God has given us this book to go through. And so, to, to, to send you off this morning, I'd like to, to uh, bring to our attention this The message which I believe is in this passage. That last week we talked about when we suffer, we experience God's comfort. This week, when we suffer, we're being prepared for ministry to others. When we suffer, we're being prepared for ministry to others. There's not just one purpose that God has in suffering, in affliction. The reason that he gives us here. The God of comfort comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort we receive from God. This is one of the main reasons why God allows you and me to go through hard things if you were able to come up with a list in your own mind a few minutes ago about the things that cause you pain, those things are what we're talking about. Those things, and maybe others that you hadn't thought of because you didn't have enough time, those things are things that aren't just randomly there, not just accidents. Those are things in your life for a reason, and one of the important reasons God has brought those things into your life because he wants to... Do something in you that can prepare you to help others who are suffering, others who have painful things in their lives. God strengthens our faith so that we might help strengthen the faith of others. You see, faith is contagious, or hopefully it's contagious. When one person is trusting God in the midst of trouble, it helps others around him to do the same thing even the story some many of us have heard stories of believers read it in books or heard testimonies people we've never even met before but their faith and their putting their trust in god in the midst of their struggle has been an encouragement to us to do the same thing that's the power of the comfort that god gives us Because we can then help others to find that comfort in the midst of their struggles. But, until we experience the peace of God in the midst of suffering, we can't really comfort others in their suffering. Once we know by experience that God is bigger than our problems, and that he's in control of it all, Then we can help others to see that God's bigger than their problems and He's in control of it all for good. So, thereby, the people who have been comforted by God are able to help those who need the comfort comfort of God. See, suffering is not arbitrary in God's economy, it's not wasted it not only yields the help and comfort of God, but it prepares us for ministry. You know, when I became a pastor 35 years ago, I hadn't suffered enough to be a really good pastor. I'd gotten a good education, and I think that I could explain what the Bible says pretty well, but I hadn't suffered enough in my life to help be that much help to people who were suffering it's not enough to have a seminary degree it's not enough to know the bible well it's not enough to be able to explain things in order to be effective in ministry you need to suffer first and not just suffer but suffer well that is suffer in faith suffer with a good attitude suffer trusting god that he has you in the midst of it. And when you receive that help and comfort from God, then you're prepared. And so it is that God is preparing all of us to be not only people who put our trust in God, but help others to put their trust in God. You know, last spring, we had a meeting with elders and deacons, and I was sharing about... uh, My family and I said, you know, there was a time when um, my children were really one of the things that was the best advertisement for for my ministry, and you know, it made people want to listen to what I had to say because of my children, and I was talking about how that's changed. And how, um, you know, in some ways now, as things have unfolded, you know, it has the opposite effect to some degree. And Chris Trudeau said, yeah, but now you can identify with people who are, who have gone through similar things and who, who, you know, have a lot of disappointment in their parenting. That's exactly what we're talking about here. I couldn't comfort people who were experiencing parental pain when I myself hadn't experienced it. Now I'm ready to comfort you, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) We are helped so we can help others. We're blessed to be a blessing. And so we need to ask God to help us not to fuss and fret when trials come. To go through your list of sufferings and not just make it a list of things to pray God would take away. But to see that list has a list of blessings that God has brought there for a purpose because there's things he wants to do in us and there's ways he wants to meet us in these things to prepare us for ministry as well as other things. You see, ministry is an important part of the Christian life. It's not that super-Christians like missionaries and Bible smugglers do ministry and experience sufferings, but the rest of us live safe, Protected middle class lives that's not the idea that the Bible gives us ministry and suffering aren't just for Christian superheroes they're a part of the average normal Christian life according to the New Testament we all have a responsibility towards God's little ones God's precious sheep and Jesus said do you love me feed my sheep do you love me Feed my sheep. Do you love Jesus? Feed my sheep. Now, I know that that command, that that those words were first for Peter, but they were also second for the other apostles, and third for other church leaders, and fourth for all of us. For we are a kingdom of priests. We don't have a priest who stands up there and does the ministry and we just receive ministry. We are a kingdom of priests. We are all priests. We are the body of Christ and in his word God says every one of us has been equipped in certain ways to minister to others. We all participate in ministry. We all participate in ministry. In working to feed and build up and encourage and prosper the people of God. The sheep of God. And so it applies to us too. If you love Jesus, feed his sheep. Ministry is heart. Ministry means serving. It means swallowing your pride. It means Putting yourself out there, which means making yourself vulnerable, opening yourself up to rejection. It involves taking risks, potentially getting criticized and getting heart, your heart broken. And therefore, it's easy to avoid. It's much easier to avo- to, than to do it. But Jesus didn't say, If you love me, feed my sheep. Unless, of course, it's not safe. He said, if you love me, feed my sheep, even though you're going to die in the process of doing it. Paul David Tripp has a book about church leadership. You know what it's called? Dangerous calling. Dangerous calling. And it is. And every single one of us is called to participate in ministry, and it is a dangerous calling. You know, when we first allowed our daughter Michelle to go to West Africa to minister to Muslims, there were some who were critical of that. They felt like we were crazy to allow her to do that. Don't you know that's dangerous? And yes, if our daughter didn't realize it was dangerous, then it would have been wrong for us to just let her go off. But she understood it was dangerous. She was willing to die if it took that. How can you... What kind of a view of the Christian life do you have if if something's dangerous? It automatically means this is not something you should do. Last week... We read about the personal benefits of suffering. How when we share in Christ's sufferings, we share in his comfort, in his help, in his presence. But our suffering is more than just beneficial to us. Our suffering is beneficial to others. That's what Paul is saying here in verse 6. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Getting through your own problems isn't the only thing in your life. Helping others make it through their problems is an essential part of each of our callings. God allowed Paul to suffer for the sake of the Corinthians and for our sakes. And he didn't do it with regret. He didn't do it begrudgingly. In fact, he even talks about that in this later in this epistle. He he was motivated by love. He was motivated by the same love that Christ had put in his heart for God's people. And he was willing to suffer. He was suffering for them. And we benefit a lot from Paul's sufferings, don't we? His example, his words, we benefit. We receive a lot of comfort because he suffered and was comforted and therefore We are comforted as well. And we'll talk about that even more next week. And so others benefit from our sufferings. If we suffer in faith, you know, if you suffer, and we'll talk about this in a minute too, suffer with the wrong attitude, not so much. But our sufferings equip us to bless others in their sufferings. God comforts us in our afflictions so that we'll be able to comfort others in their afflictions with the comfort we receive from God. You know, we've been praying for Zacchaeus Hammonds, the son, little baby son, of a former member of our church, and uh, whose parents have been through, how long has it been now? Eight months? Eight months of Inconvenience is almost scandalously an understatement of what they've gone through for their newborn, you know, and and not just circumstantial inconvenience, not just you know busyness and having to go out of your way, but emotional trauma and spiritual warfare. And, you know, that is part of being a parent. It may be condensed for them, but when you're a parent, you, you suffer for them to be blessed. And that's what it's all about. And that's why the only way you can be a parent is if you love your children. And God gives parents love for their children. But imagine what it would be like if, that, if God didn't give parents a natural love for their children. Imagine what our world would be like. But parents do love their children. Even bad parents usually love their children. And they sacrifice for them. And they go to great inconvenience for them. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. Jesus loves his children too. And he wants us to love his children with the same love that he has so that he's he wants us to be willing to suffer like a parent for his children for each other for God's little ones and not driven just by duty but driven by love we desire to see them protected, to see them prospering to see them getting somewhere in their lives we have a a zeal for their welfare which is what love is all about suffering is a part of every human life but there's a right way and a wrong way to suffer or to respond to suffering and that determines whether your suffering is redemptive or whether it's destructive Paul says this in verse 6 he says, refers to comfort which you experience when you patiently endure sufferings. The person who experiences sufferings and shakes his fist at God or concludes God's mistreating me somehow, that person doesn't get the blessing of the suffering. It's when we suffer in faith, when we suffer. Trusting that he's doing this and he must know what he's doing even if we don't get that. Suffering doesn't necessarily come with comfort. You can experience, and this is the tragedy, you can experience all the pain of suffering and not enjoy its benefits. If you resent the pain and allow your heart to be embittered. This is what Paul, not Paul, whoever wrote Hebrews, says in Hebrews 12, 11, Discipline yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And we all know that's very possible for a child to be disciplined by his parents, but to hate it and walk away from it, not having learned an important lesson but having learned that he hates his parents for disciplining him. You know, in, uh, in our hymnal, our green hymnal, there's a hymn that we sing um, called, If Thou But Suffer God to Guide Thee. And it has a verse in it that talks about the, the futility of pining against of resisting and being bittered in our hearts against the troubles that God brings into our lives. It says it this way. What can these anxious cares avail thee? These never-ending moans and sighs. What can it help if thou bewail thee over each dark moment as it flies? Our cross and trials do but press the heavier for our bitterness. It just makes the pain worse. And you get not the benefit. Being a Christian leads to suffering. Suffering leads to experiencing God's comfort. Experiencing God's comfort leads to ministry to others. That's what we've seen so far in these passages And next week, there's one more step in that process. For Paul here gives not two, but three reasons why God sends suffering. So we'll talk about that beginning in verse 8 next week. Let us come now to the table of the Lord where we rejoice in what he did for us. This act of sacrifice and suffering, which indeed makes all of our sufferings, all of our afflictions, all of our burdens, meaningful and purposeful and redemptive. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we look to you and we give praise to you that you did not despise the cross. You did not turn away from it. You did not reject it. But that you, for the hope, for the joy of our salvation, you willingly went to the cross and bore all of its suffering, all of its agonies for us. What... Love is this. And now, O oh Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have called us to enter into this redemption and to be a participants of what Christ has done for others as well. Meet us now as we come to you, O oh Lord. Because in our flesh, we want to run away from pain. And we want to just have a good old time. But help us instead, O oh Lord, to run to you. In, even though it means a kind of dying. Because we know that it, only in you can we find life. Real life. Abundant life. Life, eternal life. So meet us here, O Lord, in the body and blood of the Lord Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.